Welcome to Redemption's podcast. This is Corey Ball, lead pastor at Redemption Community Church, found in Kirkwood, Missouri, in the greater St. Louis area. Before we dive into the content, I want to invite you to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook to stay current on all things Redemption. You'll find both of these accounts by searching Redemption STL. But more than anything, we hope that this podcast will help inspire and challenge you to take your next steps in following Jesus. If you have any questions about God, Christianity, or redemption, don't hesitate to reach out. You can DM us on our socials or text us at 314-391-4141. And now, without further ado, here is the content you are looking for. Enjoy. Well, we're in this series, uh, What's the Difference? And before we start into this, uh, this specific um, series or, or this specific sermon, uh, I, I want to say two things. One, the last time that I spoke, uh, it, it was more less speaking and more reading, um, and uh, if you were here that night, um, and, and, and personally, what I want to say is like, that just was not, it's not my voice, uh, it's not my style, right? Uh, this is my style, this is my voice, um, but we're doing this series, and the reality is, this series is the first series that we're doing that is not ours, and so this series, we're, we're borrowing this um, from, a, from a church in North Carolina called Mecklenburg Community Church. And, uh, and so two things. One, uh, we wanted to keep as, as close to their series as possible, and so we didn't rewrite hardly any of it, um, and, uh, you know, as to give them proper credit. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, um, I read a lot of it because, uh, as you can guess, I'm not a scholar in Hinduism or Buddhism. Shocker, right? Uh, and so it was a little out of my wheelhouse, and so I read a lot of that. And, uh, and here at Redemption, the reality is we experiment with things. I hope you see that. I hope you, you know, realize that, that we are experimental here. And uh, we want to experiment with things as much as we can to see what is going to bring more people to Christ. And so anyway, um, with that, I think what we can do, if you were here or if you watched online, uh, I think we can take uh, the way that was delivered and we can chalk it up into the failed experiments box and, uh, and we can learn together. If you are new to Redemption, what I want to say is this, that we say around here at Redemption that we are find a better way people. If you've never heard that before, if this is your first time hearing it, it's not going to be the last time you'll hear it. You'll hear it again, that we are find a better way people. And so at Redemption, what that means is that when it comes down to it, when people who are far from Christ uh, are, are in our midst, we want to find a better way to bring the people in our community closer to the God who loves them. And so at Redemption, we're find a better way people. And so what we're going to do is we're going to find a better way to deliver this content. We're going to change it up a little bit tonight. And uh, instead of reading it, uh, we're going to be delivering it um, how we normally would. The second thing I want to say before we get started is a friend of mine, really good friend of mine, he, uh, he kind of called me out after um, that, that, that time I spoke. And he goes, hey, I just want to know, like, you tell me, why is your church doing a series about the difference of religions? Like, why, why draw more division? Why create more division? Why not dwell on the things that religions have in common? Um, it just doesn't make sense to me. Now, listen, dear friend of mine, love the guy to death. Um, and, I, you know, in some respect, I, I, I think there's some reality to what he's saying. Because uh, there are things that religions share. There are things that are very similar in different religions. And there are things that we can learn from other religions. For example... Do you know that one of my favorite quotes of all time, truly, it's like in the top like 20 quote list, is this quote by the Dalai Lama. And he says this, if you lose, don't lose the lesson. Very simple. If you lose, don't lose the lesson. But man, this quote is so profound. It's simple and profound. It's pure wisdom. If you lose, don't lose the lesson. In every loss in your life, there will be a lesson for you to learn. 
It's incredible. Uh, you know, for example, or something else, is the way that, uh, tonight we're going to talk about this, the way that Muslims pray, the way that they're committed to prayer. They're committed to seeking God. It's very sincere in so many ways. I love that. I really, truly do love that. But going back to what my friend said, if religions, if they have, a, you know, 75% uh, of the same DNA makeup as, as Christianity, if they're 75% close to what we would say is the litmus test of truth, Christianity, but, but, but if they're even 0.001% off, right? If they're even 0.001% off from the truth that is about Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, if they're off from that, then they may not be holistically alive, but they are holistically dangerous. And the reason is because billions of people across all time and all space are placing their eternal hope in a trap floor. That one day, when they die, that trap floor falls out, and everything they place their hope and their faith in is gone, right? And let me say this. If you ever go to a church, or if you ever listen to a pastor or someone else in your life try to tell you about Christianity, but they leave out Jesus' death and resurrection, it, it's not Christianity. It's inherently not Christianity, and it's 100% dangerous. And so here at Redemption, we don't deal in close, a game of close, because we know that close is only good in horseshoes and hand grenades, right? Uh, but it's not good when it comes to our eternities. And so when we're, when we're, when we're talking about someone's eternity, we want to deal in certainties. We want to deal in absolutes. And what we found, uh, you know, as you've, as you've seen with the Middle Eastern religions, and we'll see again tonight, those religions, they don't deal in certainties. They don't deal in absolutes. They deal in hopes. And a thing that is so appealing about Christianity is that it doesn't deal in hopes. Uh, it doesn't deal in those, but it deals in certainties and absolutes. The claims of Jesus are that. So uh, as we continue, let's, let's go into tonight as we look at what is the difference between Christianity in Islam. What are those differences? Well, as we uh, go into the differences uh, today, we're going to be exploring something that's very controversial. Uh, the reality is, um, in, our, in our day and age, in our time, there's probably not another religion that, that is more stereotyped or caricatured uh, in, in an incorrect light um, than uh, Islam, than, than the, the Islamic faith. Um, it's, it's one of those things that uh, is, is in every media, and typically, or you know, the, um, throughout all the media, and, and typically it is, is mischaractered, um, caricatured. And, uh, and it's not going anywhere. Islam is not going anywhere. Uh, there, there was a Pew, a Pew Research study that said that basically right now there's 2 billion uh, Muslims across the world, uh, 3.5 million in America, and, uh, and then basically by 2040, um, Islam is going to be the second largest religion next to Christianity. They're going to eclipse Jews by 2040. So those of the Islamic faith will eclipse the Jewish faith by 2040. That's crazy. Um, so... Let's also talk about this. There, there's a misunderstanding when it comes to Muslims. Uh, most people, they really misunderstand uh, Muslims. Uh, for example, you would think that the average Muslim is from the Arab world, um, and that's not always true. The largest country with the most Muslims is Indonesia. Um, if you, uh, you know, maybe based off of, again, the stereotype and, and mischaracters, uh, you would think that, that Islam, uh, every Muslim in the world is here to blow up the world, uh, to kill every American, and it's just not true. It's not true. That's not a, that's not a true thing. Um, if you know your history, 
um, the, um, uh, the, the Persian Gulf War, uh, actually what ended up happening was there were, there were Muslim countries, uh, Egypt and, and Syria um, and uh, um, uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, joined with the Western countries to stop the, the uh, you know, I, um, uh, Iraq Muslims to invade Kuwait. We stopped them from that, right? And so there, there, there are times where the Muslim countries have joined with us and helped out, right? Uh, many Muslims across the world, indeed, have actually, um, uh, have actually combated or they've actually uh, denounced the Islamic attacks uh, through ISIS. They've, they have, uh, you know, denounced um, the 9-11 attacks or the attacks on the Pentagon. They've denounced the, the Boston bombing. They've uh, denounced the, the, the attacks in Paris. Many of them have denounced those things. And so at the end of the day, what we need to do is, is we need to get any Islamophobia that we have out the doors, Okay. Uh, and we're going to look at what the average Muslim believes. What does the average Muslim think? Who is, what is the average Muslim? Not the radical ones, because we have those in Christianity as well, right? Am I right? If we judged every single Christian based off of Westboro Baptist Church, we would all be painted in an incorrect light. And if you don't know who that is, Google it. You'll be shocked. Uh, it's kind of crazy. Um, but that's not, that's not Christianity either, right? And so we need to be a little more intellectually honest, and we need to go to the average and not the radical. And here's the deal. Why, why do we care so much about those that are in other countries or those in America that believe in Islam? Why, like, why do we care so much to talk about them, to talk about the differences? Why do we love them so much? It's because this, this verse that everybody knows that, that we, we, we talk about and we've seen from when we were kids. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. John 3.16. Jesus loved the world. And so what that means is that when Jesus came to die on the cross, he died for those in our country and across the world who are Muslim, who are Buddhist, who are Hindu, who are Jewish, right? He died for everyone. And so if that's true, then it's our, uh, our job to, to love them, uh, to help uh, understand them, and to tell them about the grace of Jesus. What's true about the average Muslim is this, that they're deeply committed to their pursuit of Allah, uh, which is the Arab word for God. They're deeply committed to Allah. And in fact, uh, the word Islam means that. It means that they are, uh, it, it means someone who is obedient or surrendered in submission to Allah. That's the, okay, so the word Muslim, it simply means one who is surrendered to or submissive. So what's the difference between the Islam and Christian faith? We're going to start with five beliefs that uh, the Muslims have, five beliefs that they have. And the first one is this, that God is one, and there's no other God but Allah. That's what they would say. God is one, there's no other God but Allah, okay? Some of these are going to sound pretty familiar, by the way, all right? So as we're going through these, like chalk these up, like, okay, that sounds familiar. Now, obviously, like we wouldn't say Allah, but, uh, but, but it sounds familiar, okay? So be thinking that way. Um, and they would say this, that, 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 you know, also there's nothing to be associated with Allah. Nothing else should be associated with Allah. Two, the second belief is that uh, there's this hierarchy of angels led by Gabriel. Now, this is really interesting. Like, who in here has seen cartoons when you were a kid? Come on. 
All of us, right? Okay, you know this. You know like the angel on this shoulder and the angel on this shoulder, right? Or the demon on this shoulder and the angel on this shoulder. Okay, they believe this, essentially. What they believe is that every single person has been given two angels. One to mark up all of your good deeds and the other to mark up all of your bad deeds, okay? So you have a good angel, you have a bad angel. um, And they keep track of everything you do. And one day they will report to Allah. We're going to get to that in a second. But the other thing they believe is in basically these, these, these bad angels um, called jinn, and uh, that's where we get our word genie from. And, and, and essentially, jinn is demons, okay? So that's what it is in the Christian faith. Um, okay, the third major belief is that uh, God, uh, or okay, Muhammad, the last and greatest of the prophets, basically that this, that, that God has sent a prophet to every nation for every time period, and so you see these prophets, uh, very famous Bible characters, and uh, it's Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, Solomon, Jonah, John the Baptist, and Jesus. They were each given for a particular age. And then Muhammad is the last one, and he's known as the greatest prophet. He's the last and greatest prophet for them, okay? All right, the fourth, uh, the, uh, fourth major belief here they have is that parts of the Bible are accepted, but the Quran is supreme. The idea here is this, that that they believe that there's basically a ranking to the Bible and that that God has given Moses the first five books of the Bible. He gave David the Psalms. He gave Jesus the Gospels, but he ended up giving Muhammad the Quran. And what they believe is that the Quran has stayed uncorrupted in Arab, in heaven, okay? Uh, Or or in Arabic, sorry, Uh, in heaven, all right? And so so that's their belief there uh, with the Quran, okay? Uh, And then they believe this, final judgment. Again, like some of these things are, are pretty similar, okay? They believe in a final judgment. Um, the final judgment is uh, that the God of the Quran, basically those two uh, angels, the one that, that records all your good deeds and the one that records all your bad deeds, they're going to give that list over to the God of the Quran, and there will be a final judgment. Now listen, this is very not Christian when it comes to this because what they believe is that there will literally be scales and that your good deeds go on one, your bad deeds go on the other. If your bad deeds outweigh the good deeds that most other people have, by the way, there's a judgment that is basically like a bell curve. If your bad deeds outweigh the good deeds of other people, then you'll be sent away for eternity to hell. If your good deeds outweigh what most people's good deeds are, then you'll be sent away to paradise. They believe this, okay? Um, And then they have this, the five practices or pillars. And so this is like, the last thing we're going to go through to understand their religion, but this is what it is, okay? A couple with the five beliefs uh, are the five practices or the five pillars of Islam. The first one is reciting the shahada. The shahada is this. It's, it's this, um, this saying, which means to be witness. And the shahada specifically uh, goes like this. I bear witness that there is no God but Allah and that Muhammad is the prophet, okay? So that's what they say, the shahada. The shahada is all you need to say to be Muslim, okay? That's it, the shahada. And in fact... Um, if you followed this like in the last couple of years, often what you'll see over in the Middle East is that people will be brought into a town square. There will be an angry mob of, of a thousand people around them carrying stones. It sounds very biblical, right? A very biblical age, uh, thousands of years old, but they're doing it today. They encircle this person and they literally say, say the Shahada. And if you don't, we'll spare your life. Or if you do, we'll spare your life. And, uh, and if they don't, which they often don't, um, the angry mob is released to do whatever they want with that person because they did not say the shahada. You know, that does happen, okay? Um, but the shahada is, is, is that one thing that they say to become uh, Muslim. The second uh, practice is to pray. Uh, a Muslim is required uh, to, to pray 17 times 
over five different cycles throughout the day, okay? So a huge commitment to prayer. They're praying all the time. If you've ever been like in an airport or even like a sports stadium and you see someone with their, with their mat and they're praying off to the side, okay, that's what they're doing. The third practice is to engage in an annual feast, or, or sorry, an annual fast. Um, this fast is, an, is, is known as Ramadan. It's in the ninth lunar month of Ramadan. And essentially what it is, is uh, that they are celebrating the moment that, uh, that the God of the Quran uh, was, uh, or the, the God of the Quran gave the Quran to Muhammad. That's what they're celebrating, okay? And, uh, and so they fast during the, the waking hours of that month, uh, or yeah, during that month. Then uh, you have the giving of alms. Uh, Muslims are, are required to give a certain percentage of their income to the poor and needy. Again, sounds familiar when it comes to giving. Uh, the final belief is to make a pilgrimage or a hajj. And so every single um, uh, person has to make this pilgrimage to Mecca at least once during their lifetime uh, if, they, if they have the opportunity both financially and if they're physically able to. They have to go to Mecca or, or you know, create this uh, pilgrimage or hajj, all right? And, uh, and so that's one of the things that they do. It's crazy. Um, in, uh, the, um, the Saudi government um, lets in 0.1% of the Muslim population every year into their country to do this. And, um, and still there is more than 2 million people that gather on an annual basis for this, uh, to go to Mecca. It's the largest religious gathering in the world every year, okay? So um, now I said five practices. The reality is that some add a sixth, and the sixth is jihad. And jihad is something that not all Muslims add, but some do, and uh, we, uh, we misunderstand jihad, okay? Uh, jihad is, is not what we, uh, you know, uh, typically think of. Uh, jihad is actually a holy war, but it's not waged against other people, uh, the traditional idea or view of idea or view of jihad is that it's a holy war that's waged on oneself. It's for self purification. It's for self purity. Now this is where it gets really dark and it gets mixed up. What often happens is uh, is is you know the ayatollah or or you know other leaders like Bin Laden or whatever uh, they will um, essentially what they'll do is they will declare that if you are in jihad or you're going to enter into jihad. Um, part of that holy war is cleansing the infidel or cleansing those who don't, uh, you know, believe in Islam. Now, again, this is a percentage. It's not, it's not the, it's not the uh, entirety. Um, but here is where we find the dark side of Islam, things like suicide bombers. And, and, and I want to touch on this for one second because, listen, um, this makes more sense than you think. <laughs> See, the idea of jihad or, or the holy war, it's called jihad of the sword or the holy war. The idea of this is this, that if, 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 you, uh, if you're going before God and you're going to be sitting there in this judgment where these two angels have, have written down all your good deeds and your bad deeds and, and, and your eternity is left up to chance, like that scale may tip in the wrong direction. And if it does, you're done. There's no second chances. Like, um, I was just listening to this podcast. It's like a murder podcast show thing, whatever. And they're talking about all this appeal, you know, how this like DNA is coming out, all these appeals and stuff. Like there's no appeal. There's none, right? Like the scale tips in the wrong direction and you're done for eternity. Okay, so that's what they believe. So, but there's a loophole. And the loophole is jihad. Those who, who would ascribe to this, they believe that if they die during um, or fulfilling an order that was given to them by an Islamic leader to complete their jihad, then they are immediately ushered into paradise. So hear me. 
if your entire eternity hangs on the balance of, of the way you acted last Tuesday when a driver cuts you off, but you have this opportunity, right? And especially if you've lived a really bad 20 or 30 years, but you have an opportunity. If you do this, you're granted immediate access straight into paradise. Why wouldn't you? Did you hear this? Like, logically, why would you not do that? And that is the darkness uh, that often comes with a certain sect of Islam and jihad. Okay, so there's major tension points between Christianity and Islam. When we look at Islam and we look at Christianity, there are things that are very similar, um, truly. Uh, they, they have holy scriptures. They believe in one God. Um, they believe in a final judgment. They believe that, um, uh, that there are prophets and that, you know, they believe in Jesus as a prophet. We also believe in Jesus as a prophet. We just believe that he's more than a prophet, obviously. But there are things that are very similar. There are also uh, things that are very, very different. Once you, once you break out of those few things that I've listed that are similar, the significance of the differences are great. It's great. And so I want to end by doing this. I want to talk about the three things. The three things that are vastly different from Islam and Christianity. Remember my conversation with my friend. We, we, we want to talk about the, the, the similarities, and we don't want to create a division. I get that. But at the end of the day, if, if, if we have friends, neighbors, and relatives who are placing their faith in a trap floor that is going to leave them separated from God for eternity, it is good for us to know the differences, for us to be confident in how to love someone and uh, in a loving way to talk about those differences. So let's talk about them. Number one, the nature of God. The nature of God is very different uh, for them. Uh, we, we believe in Christianity that there's this composite nature of a triune God. And what I mean by that is that we believe that there is a, there's a trinity. There, there's, a, there's a triune nature of God. That we have God the Father, we have God, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Okay. Now, where we get this wrong, a lot of us, uh, is, is we think of this as Okay, it's one plus one plus one equals three. That's not true. That's not, that's not how it is. And, and I understand this is a little more complex. I'd love to talk about the Trinity sometime with you all and tell you how much I don't know about it and uh, how confusing it is, because it is. Um, but there are some things that we do know about it. And, uh, and so we want to be really clear about what it's not so that we can get closer to what it is. What we do know is that it's not one plus one plus one equals three, but it's rather one times one times one equals one, right? That's what it is. It's this composite trinity, this composite triune nature. Do, do we have that diagram? We can throw this diagram up here. This will help you kind of understand what it is, um, that the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Holy Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit is not the Father, but they are all what? They are all God. They're all connected, and they're all one. Um, and so, anyway, uh, one time, Jesus, he heals this man on the Sabbath. This guy had been, had been an invalid for 38 years, and, uh, and, God, and Jesus, he heals him, and... Um, it was an issue because he was working on the Sabbath. You're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. But Jesus, he worked on the Sabbath. And uh, the crowds were they, were, they were so upset, all right? Most of these were, were Jewish uh, leaders. And, um, and this, is what said, this is what was said. We're going to go to John chapter 5, or, yeah, 5, verse 17 through 18. I'm going to read this. Jesus said to them, My father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. 
Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was what? He was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So uh, here, uh, what, what, what Jesus said, uh, I and the Father are one. Christians, uh, we accept that, right? Uh, also in John 10.30, he says this, I and the Father are one. Christians, we accept this. Muslims do not. They do not accept this. Okay, number two, the nature of Jesus. It leads to our second distinction here between uh, Islam and Christianity, the nature of Jesus. Christians, uh, we believe that Jesus was much more uh, than simply a prophet. Again, we believe he was a prophet, but we, but we believe that he was much more than simply a prophet. We believe um, that, that he came here on this earth, that he lived a perfect life, and he ended up dying on the cross. Muslims do not believe this. They, they, they not only do not believe it, they would never accept it. Because in the Islam faith, in the Islamic faith, you do not uh, accept a prophet of God to be murdered. Not, not, not like no prophet died in that way. It would never happen. Not in the Islamic faith. And so they do not accept this. Um, and uh, we believe this. We believe that Jesus, he broke into human history through the word made flesh uh, to give the clearest, most comprehensive picture of himself possible. That's what uh, John chapter 1 says. We believe that about Jesus. Muslims do not accept this. And number three, the nature of salvation. The nature of salvation. Um, those who are of the Islamic faith, they believe this. They believe that you work and you work and you work and you have these angels, right? One good, one bad. Uh, they record your deeds and at the end of your life, if you worked and you worked and you worked and you were good enough at the end of your life, you will be accepted, right? Or that's the hope. Um, and again, it's this weird bell curve, this sliding scale type of thing, and it's, it's these scales. But they believe that at the end of your life, as long as you work hard enough, you will be accepted. <laughs> that's not Christianity. Listen, if you believe that's Christianity, let's chat. Let's have a conversation. But that's not Christianity. Uh, we've said this before that, that uh, when it comes to our salvation, uh, we often, in America, we often look at it as a game. It's a game that we win or we lose, but that's not true. Salvation is a gift that some people receive and some people refuse, right? That's Christianity. And we have an entire, uh, you know, population, two billion people that are working every day trying to earn something that they can never earn. They're trying to get the carrot that's dangling in front of their face that they could never get, they don't deal in certainties um, and absolutes. They deal in hopes. Christians, um, the other thing that we disagree about, again, I touched on it, is that, is that Muslims believe that there's no way Jesus died the way that we claim he died. But Christians believe that. We believe there was a death on the cross, uh, that it was purposeful, that it really happened. And at the end of the day, uh, it absolutely saves all who call on the name of Jesus and believe in him. We believe that. Again, we believe that salvation is not something that you earn. Uh, scripture is clear about that. It's not something that you earn. Rather, uh, it is something that was earned on your behalf. The only thing that you must do is receive that gift and believe in Jesus. That's the belief of Christianity. And it's so different. From the Islamic faith. 
Muslims wouldn't believe that a prophet would ever die the way that Jesus died. But Philippians is so clear when it says this. In Jesus, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, and he gave him the name that is above every name. Philippians 2, 8, 9. So we don't have to wonder if we've done enough good. At the end of our life, if we have placed our faith and trust in Jesus, Scripture is clear of what will happen. Everything that we have done wrong, uh, when those books are open on that final judgment day, everything that we've done wrong will be blotted out. And underneath that will be listed everything that Jesus has done right. At the end of the day, it is not something that we have earned, and therefore it's not something that we lose, but rather it's something that God has earned on our behalf by what he did on the cross and how he rose from the grave three days later. And we have the opportunity to place our faith in the all-sufficient love and power of Christ. And it's in him that we are saved. And our Muslim brothers and sisters here in America and across the world don't understand a love and a grace like that. So the differences between Christianity and Islam are stark. But it's those differences at the heart of Christianity uh, that are actually attractive to Muslims. There was a fascinating study done in 1991 to 2007, and uh, it was done by the the Fuller Theological Seminary, uh, specifically uh, in their Intercultural Studies program. It surveyed 750 Muslims who had converted to Christianity. They, the survey rep- represented 50, or, or, sorry, 50 ethnic groups, 30 different countries, and they wanted to know uh, this. They, they wanted to know about Christianity and, and what was so appealing to those who converted to Christianity, okay, those Muslims who converted to Christianity. And it was everything that we talked about today. In the, in the study, in the survey... Those who are, uh, are, are, are Muslim who converted, they talked about the way women were treated. They talked about the marriages within the church. They talked about this idea that, that, that women weren't treated like slaves, but they were treated like humans. Um, they talked about the love and the grace of Jesus, a love and a grace that they couldn't earn, but was just given to them. They talked about the disillusionment that came with with the Islam faith and in this idea that the God of the Quran uh, was so heavy-handed and just driving. And at the end of the day, again, still their hope only fell into that, hope. But they looked at Christianity and they looked at the fact that there was an entire uh, group of people across the world that was sitting on certainty and absolute. When we talked about the, the, the Buddhists and the Hindus, again, uh, the idea of the afterlife and eternity, it's all very wispy. It's like a mirage. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll get there. Maybe you'll reach nirvana. When, when, we, when we look at the, the, the Islamic faith, they look at heaven and they go, I hope one day when the angels give my account to God, I hope. I hope it'll be in my favor. I, I hope... The scales tip in my favor. 
And you had an entire Muslim population that converted to Christianity, and they go, what drew me to Christianity was the never-ending love of Jesus that I knew I couldn't earn, I didn't deserve, and it was given freely to me. And that truth for those Muslims fell like hard rain on dry, dry ground. I pray today that you see uh, the strong differences between Christianity and the Muslim faith. As you walked in today, every family got a book um, by one of my favorite authors, Andy Stanley. He wrote this book called How Good is Good Enough. I promise you, it is an incredible book. And in that book, it's going to deal with some of the questions around this idea that one day uh, there will be a final judgment. We believe that in the church, in Christianity. But the, the problem, the problem is that somewhere along the line, there was this pervasive belief uh, that, that whether it came from the Islamic faith, whether it came from another faith, there's this belief that our deeds are going to be measured in some way. And, and if, if, if our deeds don't hold up, if we weren't good enough, then all of a sudden the scale tips and we get sent to hell. And, and so he deals with this question of how good is good enough? Like, who is the authority? Who, who's the arbiter of that? How do you know where the line is? Like, where is your certainty? Where is your absolutes? And what he realizes uh, as he writes this, actually he doesn't realize it, he already knew it, but as, what, what he's getting you to realize is this. That it's a trap floor. But the idea that I hope one day I'm good enough. It's a trap floor. And our salvation isn't in that. What our salvation rests on, again, is the all-sufficient power and love of Jesus, his death on the cross, and his resurrection from the grave, defeating death so that you may live for eternity in heaven. That's Christianity. So give, give that book an hour of your time. How good is good enough? Give it an hour of your time, not only for you, but also for those that you're going to have conversation with. In Christianity, we don't believe that. We don't believe in the scale. Uh, we believe what was started on the cross was finished at the tomb. And we believe that at the end of the day, our faith is not a trap floor, but it will hold us up not just for today or tomorrow, but it will hold us for eternity. That's Christianity and the differences between Christianity and Islam are huge.